uh, as we look at uh, week number two of uh, this study of heaven. I want to encourage you as we get started tonight and remind you, uh, I'll be asking a lot of questions. This is a, a many person conversation, so you feel free to jump in. But just take a moment, if you would, and just glance back at the material that you've covered, uh, going back to page 31, and just look at the headings for a second. Because what happens is you may have got, you know, completed this study, um, you know, the end of last week or last Thursday, and it's been a long time since um, you had a chance. Let's just take a moment and look back at the subjects and the topics at the beginning of the page and kind of refresh your memory a little bit. And then we're going to do like we did last week. We're going to go um, basically day by day and talk about what we learned in that day, what we were challenged with in that day. And uh, you were asked various questions, and we'll get some responses on that. You had several quizzes and here, true-false quizzes, or I agree, disagree, or undecided, and so forth. Um, take just a moment, look back through the material, and uh, familiarize yourself with it. And I'm just curious to get started tonight. Um, have you been challenged in your thinking at all so far in the study? Okay, I see some nods of affirmation. Uh, have you uh, hopefully maybe seen some things you hadn't thought about before, some things you didn't know about? Uh, I will also bring up there's some things uh, in here, um, you know, whether we agree, disagree. I'll, I'll point out a couple of things as time permits as well as I've been studying through here. Uh, but we're going to be jumping in. And, you know, some people probably don't like a study like this because, in all honesty, we all have our preconceived ideas of what heaven is and what heaven is like and what's going to be in heaven and who's going to be in heaven and how things are going to work in heaven. And what happens is if you go and do an in-depth Bible study, it's probably going to mess up some of your preconceived ideas. And we kind of like our preconceived ideas, don't we? We kind of like our own imagination at times. So we've been confronted by truth here. We've been confronted by what the Bible teaches. And so really, let's jump in here today. And uh, we started out on uh, week two, day one, what is the present heaven? And what Randy's doing in this particular section is pointing out uh, the difference between the eternal heaven and the present heaven. And so there's a present heaven, there's an eternal heaven, and the difference. And a lot of times, books uh, written about heaven and people talking about heaven, they don't make that distinction between the present heaven and the eternal heaven. Now, let's just get right in here for a moment um, and just ask this question. Um, when a loved one dies, let's say your loved one dies, and they knew the Lord, they're a Christian, uh, where do they go when they leave this place? They go to heaven. The present heaven. That's right. All right. Uh, so is that where they're going to be forever in the present heaven? That's where we're being challenged in, right? We're understanding now that there's a present heaven and there's an eternal heaven. Now, you, we were asked a question on page 32. Have you understood the Bible to teach the present heaven? And you were asked to answer yes. I assumed everybody knows this. No, it's new to me. I never thought about it this way, or I'm still not sure. Convince me. I'm just curious. Um, anybody want to share? If not, we'll move on. I drew in another box myself, by the way. I guess I'm just disagreeable. Uh, I, drew, I drew in a box underneath, yes. Yes, I knew about the present heaven, but I didn't assume everybody knows about this. Because a lot of people don't think about the difference between the present heaven and the uh, e eternal heaven. Uh, 
one of the key sentences of the whole study, I think, in this, in this past week was the last sentence on page 32. If you're having trouble wrestling with this idea of the present heaven and so forth, the last sentence, which is a, a Wayne uh, Grudem uh, quote there at the end, says, there will be a joining of heaven and earth in this new creation. And that's hard for us to get our arms around, right? Because when we think about earth, where we are right now, we think about heaven. But then we know in the eternal heaven, there's going to be a combining and a joining of a new heaven and a new earth, the new Jerusalem, and all of that is heaven. Okay? Just like we know that there is a present hell and there is an eternal hell, if you will. If you look in Revelation, it talks about death and hell will be delivered and thrown into the lake of fire. So we have the present hell, which one day they'll um, be called back and, and then they'll be thrown into the lake of fire. It says there on page 32, uh, underneath the question, uh, the, in bold there, we, will we live in heaven forever? Uh, Though a wonderful place, the present heaven is not the place God promises us to live forever. And he asks you to use this analogy of traveling from Miami uh, to Santa Barbara, California, and uh, by way of Dallas. So you've got a layover in Dallas. And he asks you to label the appropriate cities, Earth, Present Heaven, and Heaven. So as you look at the map of the United States there, uh, which one is the earth, which one is the present heaven, and which one is uh, the eternal heaven? Where's the earth? Miami. So Miami. So we're on the earth. And so when we leave Miami, our ultimate destination is where? Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. Just like our ultimate destination is the eternal heaven. But if we were to die tonight... We would go where? We go to Dallas, <laughs> which right now is better than going to Baltimore. Okay. I love Baltimore. I know I'm a big Orioles fan, and all it's heartbreaking. I sat and watched that for about two hours of the night. Watched that go on on the news, and I was heartbroken. But anyway, Earth, Miami, and then you go to the present heaven. Ultimately, you go to Santa Barbara, and then Randy changed the analogy and maybe even confuse some when he changed it. So, well, actually what you would do is you go from Miami uh, to Dallas and then back to Miami, but it's a new and improved Miami. And that's the idea that we're going to have a refreshing uh, new heaven and a new earth. Well, let's just jump in here. That first question on page 32, what excites, interest, or confuses you about this teaching? What excites, interests, or confuses you about this teaching of the present heaven? I think it gives a lot of reassurance. Okay. Reassurance. And that's always exciting. I think it confirms all of our dreams about heaven. Okay. So it's a confirmation for you. It's a reassuring to you. Hopefully it's not unsettling because, again, a lot of people don't think about this. They think about that there's just this one heaven. That's all there is. They don't give thought. And I think it was a very good point. I think, Daryl, you brought out last week about the fact that we've done more teaching on hell and we need to teach on hell, we need to preach hell, than we have on heaven. And I dare say in my lifetime, when I grew up in church, uh, I probably heard more about hell than I have heaven. Is most people that grew up in church like that? You've heard more about hell than heaven? Uh, yeah. So we want to get a little balance, don't we? Because we know we're, uh, if we know the Lord, we're going to heaven and we want to know about heaven. Well, look at Hebrews 13.8, or you're asked to look at Hebrews 13.8 on page 34. So I can hear people turning pages in their Bibles looking for Hebrews 13.8. See if I know what Hebrews 13.8 says. Jesus, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why might some people use that passage to argue against the idea of a present heaven? Because 
That was the question they asked him in 34. Sounds like no change is going to really happen. Okay, because Jesus doesn't change and that can't change. Okay. What does the verse literally teach? Does it say, what never changes? Heaven, the church, or Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ. Well, you know the church changes, right? <laughs> right? Every Sunday it's different, really, in all honesty. There's a different crowd here every Sunday. I mean, the church, the universal church, we know is made of the body of believers, but we know the church, it changes. Uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, the Bible says. Uh, Jesus Christ never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we understand that there's going to be a change coming. Um, so, you were asked to explain the different states of heaven on page 35. How would you explain the past heaven, the present heaven, and the eternal heaven? So now we're really getting convoluted. We're talking about a past heaven, present heaven, and the future heaven. So let's get, just take them one by one. What is the past heaven? Before Jesus came to earth. Okay, before Jesus came to earth, that is before his incarnation. Before he took upon himself flesh. Alright, what's the present heaven? Where Jesus is now and where we'll go when we die. The present heaven. And what is the eternal heaven? Yeah, the new heaven and new earth. So you have heaven now is made up of, of uh, the new earth, the new heaven, the new Jerusalem. All of that now is heaven. All of that encompasses heaven. Um, if you look down at uh, the bottom there, um, does anything we've studied today change your thinking? Uh, yes, no, if so, explain. So anybody want to comment there? I was interested in the past heaven because it didn't really say too much about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know how much we're told about that if you think about it. Uh, we all understand that heaven's a created place. That was an interesting point he brought out too, right? Because uh, heaven obviously must not be eternal. God is eternal. But heaven, somewhere along the way, he created heaven. So you have, and, and this blows our mind. Our mind just can't kind of comprehend. A mind can. The eternality of God. Mm-hmm. Before anything was, God is. You should, you should, why do you say God was? Well, God is He's eternal. He, I am, he says, right? Mm-hmm. Say, I am have sent me. God is the eternal I am. So we just our minds will explode, and I don't want it make a mess if y'all, y'all all of our brains exploding here tonight. And we don't want to clean that up. But the eternality of God, and then at some point He created angelic beings. He created Lucifer. Uh, he created uh, apparently uh, somewhere along the way, which I don't remember reading about it, but apparently He created heaven. Uh, we know He created the universe. He created the earth. He created us. He didn't have to. Uh, he didn't need us, didn't need any of these things, but he chose to. But you're right, the past. But prior to his coming, they had perfect harmony, perfect unity in the Godhead. Needed nothing. Um, but that's changed. And now we know more about the present heaven, and we're learning about the future heaven. We still like to think about a beginning on everything. Well, we always have a beginning. Always. Yeah, no, no beginning, no ending. Uh, it was mentioned out the other week. He's above time. He, he invented time. Think about it. He's not bound by time. He's transcendent. He's above time. Um, and all this should cause us to do what? It causes us to worship and just bow before his greatness and say, you are God alone. And, and you know what? And I'll say this, and I hope I said it earlier. If not, I'll, I'll say it make it clear. That we're not going to have all the answers. Just like when we've been studying Revelation, we're not going to have all the answers when we're done. But we have enough answers. 
And we're not going to know everything about heaven. Uh, but we're going to know enough, I think, to get us excited about heaven and uh, get ready for heaven. I think the comment in the column on page 35 uh, has a lot of people question, you know, not be new to them, the thought, that yeah. thought. Yeah. I think most people think of heaven as heaven. Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact they mentioned, you know, we will know we'll eat and drink in the new heaven and new earth, but maybe not at the present heaven. Yeah. We also thought that there were three three heavens, but I presume when they say the past heaven, they're talking of the third. They're speaking of the third heaven here. Well, it will be the abode of God, as I understand it. And that's this question. We, we kind of went over it in Sunday school. Which, which, we all need the answer, I think. But God abodes in that third heaven and just thrones there. But yet he's on the present. He's everywhere. How can he be there and be everywhere when we got into that? Well, it's his Holy Spirit. So we kind of let it rest there. His Holy Spirit is everywhere, but well, God. We know God is omnipresent, um, and and then you get into the Trinity. So then, every member of the Trinity is omnipresent. But then the Holy Spirit indwells all of us, but He's also present in all of His being all at the same time. God is omnipresent. Um, yeah, He's a special abode. Uh, we see that in the Old Testament, don't we? He took up residence in the tabernacle. He was omnipresent, but you had the Shekinah glory. Right, the representation of his uh, holiness and his perfection and his presence among the people. Um, yeah, that's just that's mind-blowing stuff. It, it really is. It really is. Well, listen, I want to get bogged down. I want to get through all five days. Let's go to page uh, 36, day two. What is the significance of the future heaven? What is the significance of the future heaven? Two questions. What is heaven like and what will heaven be like? He says they have different answers. So that's kind of maybe a new thought as well. Uh, who wants to read Revelation 21, 1, 2, and 3? It's in the margin there. Who wants to read that for us out loud? All right, thank you. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Thank you. He takes us all the way back to Genesis chapters 1 through 3. And he made a comment that there was a place that serves as heaven's template or a blueprint for the new earth. Do you remember what that place was? The Garden of Eden. Now, it's interesting. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? I mean, we know he obviously, the curse was brought about and uh, more pain in childbirth and the the snake would eat dirt and sliver and so forth. We know all that stuff. But where did they reside after the Garden of Eden? Outside the Garden of Eden. Remember, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden and God made sure they didn't go back in because how did he, what did he do? Yeah, he put that angel with the sword and they were not allowed into the Garden of Eden. Now, if I understood, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm studying this with you. By the way, I didn't sit down and pre-study the whole book. And I knew of Randy Alcorn, knew where he stood, knew theologically this was a good study. But I'm studying in real time with you guys. If I understood what Randy's saying, and you correct me if I'm wrong, he's proposing that the Garden of Eden is still in existence and it will be in the New Jerusalem. Is that what y'all caught to? The Garden of Eden. What are your thoughts on that? Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. God walked in the garden in the cool morning. 
I mean, while he could until he had to separate himself from him. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that that, that was kind of like they were in heaven. Okay. <clears throat> that God wants to be with his people. Yeah. Okay. Because what he's proposing here, and I think he's on track, is the fact that we're looking at a return to the way it was originally. We messed it up. God's original plan was that we would walk in fellowship with him, and he enjoyed that fellowship. It was perfection. And then man messed it up. We messed it up. And don't think that you're above Adam and Eve. All of us would have made the same choice because they were our representative. I'm sorry, Bucky? I bet old Adam thought many, many times when he was thrown out of the Garden of Eden. Boy, if I had only yeah, did yeah. Only <laughs> regret. Yeah. yeah. Did sin start when the devil Satan fell from heaven, or when they actually committed the sin? Here. Well, <clears throat> you're talking about two different beings, so yeah. we know that. I just want pointed sin actually start when Lucifer came from heaven and start, or when they actually when committed this. Well, for us, it would be the moment we took of the forbidden fruit. Mm-hmm. For uh, Lucifer, it would have been, I guess, when he rebelled against God's authority and God's power wanted to be like the Most High. Um, but God did not create sin, but he created a, a universe and, and beings that were capable of sin. But the alternative would be to, us to be robotic and not have that free moral will to be able to respond to God, and God did not want that. And so in God's perfect creation, there was the opportunity to sin because he gave us the choice. So I would say yes. I think Lucifer, when he rebelled and then led all the other ones with him, and then and we think it was probably one-third, as I mentioned to you several weeks ago, talking about the dragon and his tail drew one-third of the stars. And then with us, it was the moment that, you know, and Eve was deceived, but Adam took willingly, didn't he? Do you ever think about that? She was deceived by the serpent, because everyone said, where was Adam at? Was Adam standing there? Where, where was that? Was he out of, out of town on a business trip? I mean, where where, where was he? You know? I, I, I don't know. Maybe people think he was standing there. But you now he willingly, you know, because she bit and ate first. And then Adam took and he ate. Um, I, I would imagine. I, I don't know. And we, we want to get into the, the whole... No, Conundrum of what would happen. Well, what if Eve had eaten and Adam hadn't? And we won't even get into that because it didn't matter. Um, is this what, when it refers to us living under the curse, is this what they're talking about? Mm-hmm. When Adam and Eve, when they sinned, that not only through us, and that through the whole earth. So that's why the earth groans. That's why there's earthquakes and thorns and thistles. That's why the wasps sting us and the snakes bite us. And all of that's under the curse. Um, because none of that was the case. Uh, before, because it was all perfect. So now we're under the curse, and even the creation, that's why there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, because this earth's going to be made over, and it's going to be without that. Well, it says there that the New Jerusalem, that there's going to be uh, the river of life. Uh, page 38, it was asked, What is the river of life? Um, what is your favorite river or body of water on the present earth? You answered that on page 38. Just curious. What's your favorite water body? The pond behind my house. The pond behind your house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But then we love the little oceans. Okay. The streams. Niagara Falls. Love Cove at the end of the Pinnacle Carver up in Maine. All right. Well, that's specific right there. Yeah. <laughs> Dave and Charlotte, no one's ever been there, probably. Anybody else been there? Yeah. Anybody else? 
what special meaning or memories does this body of water hold for you? Majestic. Majestic. Of heaven, peaceful. I had the ocean, you know, because I mean, the Atlantic Ocean had memories there, vacationing, those sorts of things. In Psalms 23, it says it leads us beside the still waters. Yeah. Still waters indicates comfort and peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do you think there's a river? Is that, and you hit up on it, you just answered that, Richard. Why is there a river of life? Why is there a river of life or there? Why do you think he included that on the new earth? Everything is coming from God. It's flowing from Him to us. He's our, he's our source. Yeah. Okay. The New Jerusalem there, look, it says, in, the, in John described an actual wonder in the center of the New Jerusalem, the river of the water of life is clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. Revelation 22, 1 and 2. Can you imagine people, or can you picture people talking and laughing beside this river? This fully accessible natural wonder on the city's main street is amazing, something that would be featured in any travel brochure. There is something about the water, isn't it? Something about that. I'm getting, I'm getting ready to go back, um, not this Sunday, but next Sunday after church, I'll be flying out to uh, the conference I, I go to in Cleveland, um, Chagrin Falls, right outside of Cleveland. I go up there for a conference. and Last year I was out there and I went to the falls and they have a, an old kind of old store perched up on you can go buy an ice cream cone and you can walk down to the fall and there's something about the fall something about the water but God will say to it that we have this river of life not only the river of life but the tree of life now where was the tree of life originally? yeah and one of the reasons that God blocked it because Adam and Eve ate of, they ate of all the trees freely except the one tree they ate of was called what? The tree of knowledge of good and evil and God says I'm going to put them out lest they eat of the Tree of life, right? So maybe that's why he thinks that you know, this is Eden. And it certainly could be. God can preserve Eden. God can preserve anything. Uh, so maybe he did take the original Garden of Eden. Maybe it will be the center. Uh, maybe it will be the, the central garden of the New Jerusalem. But, but the tree of life. What memories from your childhood deal with trees? Now, other than switching and paddles. <laughs> what? Climbing trees. houses. Tree houses, shade. My grandparents were buried under a tree. Buried under a tree. Can't you still drive around in places like we live and you can see a nest of trees? The house may be gone, but you can know you know there was a house right there. You could just tell where it was. I put pecan tree, you know, because a pecan tree. We had a big pecan tree, and uh, in the backyard, half of it hung over our fence. It was actually in somebody else's yard, but anyway, <laughs> picking up pecans. Why do you think that God um, made a... Oh, here it is. Why do you suppose God chose a tree or trees to convey life to his children? The roots? Living things? Long live. Well, we also, in, in speaking of Jesus, you know, we're the, you know, the branches and all that. kind of yeah. symbolizes that. Yeah. I think the water kind of Jesus' food. It's the water of life, and you can drink freely of me. The reason we, the reason we have to eat, I believe, the reason we have to eat like this, because it says Jesus is the bread of life. We'd never understand that if we didn't have bread. I also put down that the cross was made from a tree. And is that not what gives us eternal life? I mean, his dying on that cross. 
All of our needs will be met. It says perfectly healthy people needing food, water, and health-giving vegetation on the new earth signals no inconsistency as long as it's readily available. We'll apparently not be without needs, but all of our needs will be met. Now, which would you choose? That's an interesting question. Which would you choose, to have no needs or to have all your needs met? How many of you say, I want, I want no needs whatsoever? Raise your hand. All right, how many said to have all your needs met? Okay, let me ask you this. Why would did you choose to have all your needs met? Isn't it better to have no needs? No? Some are saying no. Why? You feel like you're receiving something. That you need to. Well, plus needs are a motivation to do something. Okay. It shows somebody All right, shows love. Blessing. Blessing. Some of our needs are pleasurable. Okay. Yeah, all those things are true. And in the new heaven and new earth, God's going to meet every need. Because ultimately, he's the one that meets all of our needs anyway, isn't he? He's the, meter, meet, the one that meets all of our needs. Well, when he came back with the disciples, he <coughs> shared bread and, uh, and, uh, and, and take them with the meal. Then he said, I'll go and prepare the place for you. So I mm-hmm. said, am I wrong in assuming that there, we're going to have comfort there? No, no, you're not wrong. And, and Jesus, you know, he, he ate and uh, showed him as part of the proof of his resurrection. And he also ate. He was hungry. Yeah, exactly. And we know that we're going to eat. And, the difference uh, between needs and wants. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll be to- totally satisfied, won't we? Mm-hmm. We won't be longing. There won't be any Christmas list in heaven, will there? And, and, and all those things, right? What we want because... So we won't overeat or undereat or... We'll have perfect bodies. <laughs> Everything will be perfect. Which just like it was in Eden. But God gave them variety, didn't he? Of all the trees thou mayest freely eat. He didn't just have one tree. He had you know, all the different trees except don't eat of this tree. And of course, what do we do? I want, I want that tree. Couldn't we do the same thing today? We'll, tell, we'll give you a whole fridge full of food. You can eat everything in this fridge, but don't touch the coconut cake. What we can't have. What we can't have. Day three. Is the present heaven a physical place yes or no yes and the missionary got upset with him because he Randy was emphasizing it was a physical place uh, because he thought it was a spiritual place um, how would you respond to the missionary because the missionary was really concerned really upset uh, he thought it was heresy to say that the present heaven was a physical place how would you respond to that missionary be with me in paradise. We have a new body too. Didn't Jesus say we will have a new body later? Later we will. Yeah, and we'll get in that in a moment. Do we have a temporary body? Okay. God, God is spirit. Yes, but Jesus has a physical body, right? And where's Jesus? He's in heaven, and he said, "I go to prepare a place for you." So where I'm you go with, with me, told, as you mentioned, the thief, you bid today with me in paradise. So that's got to be somewhere. can't just be nowhere, right? I think it's, I think it's easy to be confused, that, that guy being confused, because when you die, there's your bones laying out there. Well, what is with you up there except your spirit goes to be? Yeah. yeah. Like you said, maybe we would have a temporary body. Yeah. And we'll touch on that in just a second. Because I know you all are riveted, because I know you all have been doing a lot of study on uh, Christoplatonism. 
I mean, you just have been. We talked about that. It took me two days to pronounce it. I don't even know if I pronounced it correctly. Uh, but uh, Platonism and, and Christos. So, wh- what is all that about? I mean, you, when you signed up to study about heaven, you really didn't think anything about Christoplatonism. What is that? Or maybe it's Platonism, I should say. What is. I'm going to wait until you explain it. Okay. Physical, bad, spirit, good. Yeah, basically, spirit is good, material, physical is bad. Um, it reminds me a lot of what we see in some of the epistles in the Bible, and my mind just went blank of just of what the word is. But, but anyway, it's the idea that matter and the physical is, is evil, but the spirit is good. In fact, you did a true-false quiz on it. Let's just test you on that, top of page 42. This is describing, and, and, and where does this come from? Plato, the philosopher, right, pretty much. And so you have a, a, a combining of these thoughts, uh, Christianity, Platonism. Christoplatonism, it is based, true false, it is based on an unbiblical belief that the spirit realm is good and the material world is bad. True or false? True. That's true. Let me just ask you this question off the quiz. How do we know it's not true? I mean, how do we know that it's, that it's not true that the spirit is good but the physical is bad? In other words, your spirit's good but your body's evil. How do we know that's wrong? Well, when God created us, it's good. Yeah, God created us. He said it is good. Jesus came. He was perfect, but he took upon himself flesh. He was not just a ghost. I mean, they didn't, they didn't nail a ghost to the cross. He shed his precious blood. So, I mean, Jesus alone. You know, when you think about Jesus, it solves a lot of problems, doesn't it? And it answers a lot of questions. Okay, go back to the cross. Go back to Jesus. True-false, Christoplatonism embraces the view that human spirits are better off without bodies. True. True. Yeah, you're better off. Now, I, I, don't, I don't really feel that way. I'm kind of glad I got a body. Otherwise, it'd be kind of weird uh, tonight, wouldn't it? Yeah. True-false, it leads to an appreciation of the resurrection in heaven. False. False, yeah. I mean, you know, so what we're looking forward to. I'm looking forward to my new body. It is responsible for our failure to see many things the Bible says about heaven. True, it's true, and he talks about in there that uh, Hebrews eight five serves you know these things these serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. So what we see now is a picture of what is coming. As Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle, for he said, "Be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain." So how did you write out your own definition of Christoplatonism? Anybody write out a definition? I know you were excited to do that. Uh, anybody? Well, basically, it's just spirit is good and matter and the physical is bad. And that is not biblical. And it's, it's contrary to the scripture. Uh, it goes against the scripture. How does Romans, top of page 43, how does Romans 120 support the idea of earth as the derivative of, he- of heaven? Well, that's a word you use a lot, derivative. How does that support? How does Romans 120, what's Romans 120 say? All right, well, let's read Romans 1.20. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So how does that support the idea that the earth is a derivative of heaven? The verse? 
The idea is this, beloved, if I'm understanding it correctly, what we see and experience and understand here helps us to understand better what we cannot see. Okay? That's a that's convoluted the way they ask it. Let me just read that verse again. Now listen to it with that understanding. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Well, how many of you saw God's holiness today? You saw God's... Well, listen, listen, listen. It's clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. And so we can go out today and we realize that we serve a God of power, right? I mean, you just look at creation. So the things that are made, so we see it's a shadow. Earth is a shadow of what we can see in not only the Father, but also heaven. Why do you think or suppose many Christians automatically assume that all references to heaven are non-physical? The heaven is just this place where disembodied spirits go. Because they can't see it. Can't see it. Because heaven's in outer space, and that's what it is, space. Yep, yep. And you mentioned earlier about the body being here. I think it's hard to get your arms around that. I'm interested in this question. Page 44. We've got to hurry. What occupations would you like to try? <laughs> what occupations would you like to try if you weren't prevented by a lack of time or opportunity? It says plan to discuss with your group. So I'm just, I'm opening it up. Let's hear the real you. What would you really like to do? I'd like to be a counselor, psychologist. Counselor, psychologist, okay. What do you say? We'll meet them up there? We'll meet them in heaven. Well, it, 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 didn't say, it didn't say in heaven. No, what do you want to do? No, that's fine that you want to be. See, they're all, they're all bitting on you about that. It's fine. That's, that's your dream. Because, hey, you see what I wrote down. Anybody else? A fighter pilot. A fighter pilot. All right. You want to put it No, this is not talking about heaven. It didn't specifically say heaven, no. Anybody else? I'd like to be a farmer on a ranch. Farmer and a rancher, okay. I got a little bit in my blood of that kind of stuff. Yeah, because I raised on the farm and did a little bit when I was young. Mm-hmm. My dad farmed. You know, he died when I was five, so I have farmer's blood, too. Yeah. Yeah. I would like that part. Anybody else? I'm not going to share mine. Anyway, day four. <laughs> no, I, I put down I would be a sports broadcaster, specifically baseball. So I'd announce baseball games. Or even a public service announcer. It didn't matter. Um, all right, well, let's move on. Do people have bodies in the present heaven? Yes or no? Yes. In the present heaven, do they have bodies? The present heaven. Okay, let's just take an informal survey. How many say yes? How many say no? I mean, you aren't going to put your hands up no matter what because you're going to be wrong. <laughs> this is debatable, okay? I personally believe they do. Uh, but is it the body as we understand it? Well, if you look, if you look back, uh, Revelation 10, 9, and 10. Now, we've already studied that. Um, and, and by the way, I wouldn't necessarily use this as a proof text. And the reason why, this is describing John going and seeing what's going on in heaven. And... I'm not sure I would use it as a proof text because John was still on the earth in his physical body. He was somehow transported and able to see these things. I don't know if I would base my belief on bodies, but we do know that the souls under the altar, those that were martyred, 
And it said, how long, O Lord? Remember that passage we studied? How long, O Lord, until you avenge us? He says, a little while, and they were given white robes to them. Then you see those before the throne, the 24 elders. And when John saw these people, he saw bodies. So let me just, we'll do the true false. I don't think I would base it on this proof text. By the way, you know, we're all weighing this out, and some of this we don't know. Some of this Randy's making an assumption. Some of this we're making an assumption. But true false, talking about John. John could grasp and hold things. This is based on Revelation 10, 9 and 10. Could he grasp and hold things? Yes, true. He could fly from one place to another. False. He could taste and eat things. True. He appears to have had a physical body. True. But again, the problem is, I don't know if I would use that as the proof text. I would say this, Jesus is in the present heaven. He has a physical body. Well, it's a temporary body. You have to keep that in mind. It's a temporary body. If they do have a body. It's a temporary body. And if you base it back on Luke 16, and it really depends on how you take Luke 16, do you believe that's a parable that Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus? Or is it an actual story? Uh, an actual event that happened? Because if you look at the story of the rich man and Lazarus, if it's a parable, you can say, well, it's a parable. If it's truly a story, then they both knew each other. They had physical attributes. In fact, there's a long list on page 47 and 48 concerning, uh, you know, would you go and dip your finger in water, put it on my tongue, would you go back, and they, you know, all these kind of things. You answered on top of page 47. <coughs> what statements seem to indicate Jesus was talking about real people? Because really, it really depends on how you take that story. It's the only story that he told, the only parable that he told where he used... The name, exactly. I personally believe, but again, this is my understanding. I personally believe that is a real, factual story that really happened and that Jesus is telling it. And they literally, uh, the one man was in uh, Abraham's bosom, which that we could get to a lot of other things about that. I won't go into all that in the Old Testament and worded Old Testament saints and things. The other man was, was suffering and... Uh, yeah, he used that literal name. It's the only place we find it. He didn't have to use a name. And if he was going to make up a name, he probably wouldn't have chosen the name Lazarus because of the confusion, because Lazarus was also his best friend, right? Um, so, we, we can... What point do we get what? When a person dies, you don't see their spirit and all leave their body. So... Do you get that new body then before you get there? Well, to be absent in the body, to be present with the Lord, if you're going to get a temporary body, I imagine that God would give it to you when you got there. But if you don't get one, then what do you do with the white robe? Because the martyrs were given white robes to wear. Spirits don't need water, unless they're Casper to friendly Christian. And we don't know, and we're not going to solve that. We can agree to disagree. I personally believe we probably will get a temporary body. Uh, we're, and we're waiting for our new and approved real body. Um, people who have died uh, and come back say that they recognize their relatives that are already dead. And yeah, and we can't base anything on that because we don't know. All we have is the scripture. But uh, I, I personally uh, believe that you probably get a, a temporary body. What it's like, I have no idea. 
And if you don't, that's fine too. What he seems to believe it that you, that you do. What I understood, where it all took, he understands that you do. Moses yeah, yes, yeah, Samuel. Samuel was called up uh, by Saul, the witch of Endor, and he didn't say, there, you know, oh, I see an old man. Isn't that what he said? Isn't that what he said when he saw the, the witch say, I see an old man? So hopefully that's temporary body. <laughs> and then you have uh, Mount Transfiguration. You had Elijah and Moses appearing with Jesus, and they were they were in their bodies. So there's a lot of things you could say that apparently somehow. Well, clothes go on bodies, and if you're wearing clothes, I mean, the spirit's not going to hold a clothes, is it? Or else you have clothes that are also spirits. A spirit just floated by. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're going to have these new garments of white and whatever. We've got to fit on something. We've got to hang on something. Yeah, well, we see that with angelic. I mean, when we talk about it, you know, angelic beings, when they appear to people, they don't come as naked babies, okay? That's, that's not biblical. They often appear as uh, a man or a warrior. But I mean, I'm studying, I've been studying today, I've been, I'm kind of in a little bit of a funk, I guess, because I've been studying Revelation 15, 16, about the seven bold judgments that we're going to be studying. And he saw angels come out that were robed in pure white linen with a golden uh, sash, remember correctly. So, you know, what do angels look like? You know, and that's a different study we'll maybe study in the summer. But you know, I just, I'm, I, I think we'll have temporary bodies. I think. Please understand that. Don't go out saying what well, the Bible says. You know, well, the angel that was a had a body. Yes, and they take on the physical appearance. Um, so, yeah, well, that's. If, if we don't have a body, we're just doing one ear, not the other one. <laughs> we're not going to worry about if we don't have a body. I, I don't think you're going to complain if you get there and you don't have a body. Whatever we need when we get to heaven, the present heaven, God will make sure we have it. But we won't have our final body. That's it. The study it says something about being able heaven would be able to see hell. Well, we didn't get a chance to get to that, and that is interesting that you would say that because some base that upon. Now, you have to remember that's a different time frame that Jesus described with Abraham's bosom and Sheol and all. There are those who believe that those in heaven can see us right now, and Randy seems to believe that way because they wanted you to prove it to people. And I'm sorry we didn't get to day five. Um. I'm, I'm curious, before I say any more, do you think people in heaven can see us? Yeah, I think they still have emotions and feelings. Now, one day, all that will pass away, but, for, but mm-hmm. until the very end, they can still feel remorse and, 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 and sadness. And he brought that out. And I hope you're studying, because if you're not, you're missing a lot. All right, what else on that? I know we've got to go, but... So a lot of you think they can see us. Does anybody think they can't see you? I'll be honest with you. I'm not convinced they see us either. Now, can God allow them to see us? Yes. But well, Randy even went so far as y'all read this. He went so far as to even say, and I'm saying I don't agree with everything I'm reading in this book, so don't take it lock, stock, and barrel. This is totally true. Other things. Did y'all catch he almost said or said at one point pretty much that our loved ones might even be praying for us yeah. in heaven? 
I don't know where you get that. I just, I I'm not comfortable with that. I don't know that. I can't imagine my loved ones enjoying. The word interceding. Yeah, interceding. But I, I can't really picture that my loved ones now have gone to the present heaven and they're sitting there worried about me, praying about me. Oh, look what he's doing now. Oh, look what he's doing now. Like your day is up in heaven, said, preach it, son. Yeah, I just. I, yeah. If, if that is the case, I, that's great. But I don't know if you can argue biblically. That that's the case. Now, if you believe that's a lot of people want to use that thing about we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses there in Hebrews, but that doesn't necessarily because I, I even know a song about they're watching from the grandstand in the sky and so forth, and this a lot of debate. Wouldn't they have better things to do? I mean, we're down here, all this chaos. I mean, I'm sure there's better things to do. But on the flip side, as somebody already mentioned, that some say, well, no, they can still have they still have sorrow. Because God has not wiped all the tears from their eyes and so forth. But I'm not convinced. And if you believe it, that's fine. We agree to disagree. That sounds a little bit well, I'm not convinced that they are watching us right, right now. <laughs> if y'all are, I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> I'm not convinced. Even though we're surrounded by the chaos and the sorrow, we can have joy because yes. of the Lord that we have. And there may be times. And up there, you're going to be with Jesus. So... That happiness will... Well, then some say, well, there's rejoicing in heaven over someone who's saved, so how can they rejoice if they don't? Maybe it's like when you're at CMC and the baby's born, a little thing plays. <laughs> that's, that's not in the Bible. But anyway, maybe. I'm not, not convinced. Yes. And maybe there are times, and, and I'm not convinced, maybe there are times that God does pull back the veil and allow them to see. You know, I'm not going to say yes or no. I just don't. I'm not there yet. We know that he still has limited access at the moment. He will be cast out permanently, but right now he is. But, you know, are they exposed to that? I would think probably, I would hope not. I, I don't know how. Anyway, we're not going to answer or resolve this, <laughs> you know. Uh, tell you what, if anybody goes dies tonight and goes to heaven, you get us a message. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let us know. Are you are you naked? Number one. Do you have a body? I'm kidding. Do you have a body? And then uh, can you see us? Yes, send us an email. I'll find that joke. You know that joke? All right. Let's pray. We got to go. Let me ask you this though: Are you are you being blessed by the study? Yeah. Yeah. Are you learning? You growing? You being challenged by it? Yeah. Good. Except this last part, I'm real confused. You're real confused <laughs> yeah. about. Well, we'll talk more later. <laughs> Father, we don't know all the answers, but you do. We rest and trust you. We thank you, Lord, that we know enough to know that to be absent the bodies, to be present with you, then we'll return back with you. We'll get new bodies, Lord. We know our new glorified bodies. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing to prepare us and to prepare heaven for us. Bless us, dismiss us in thy care and thy love. Watch over us and help us to honor you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.